Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Guys, welcome back to another episode of Chasing Tales. I'm your host, Walt. I am so glad that you're here. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, we seek to inspire people to get outside, go outdoors, and, and pursue outdoor experiences, and we hope that we can provide that inspiration by by hearing some awesome stories, tales, if you will. And uh, when you're done with the episode, you get up off the couch, you, you go outside, and you have fun. So I am joined by my co-host, Chase. Buddy, how you doing? Oh, man, I'm doing good. Uh, I was Unfortunately, I wasn't able to uh, get in on this episode, but I mean, I've talked to you, and it sounds like uh, you had a really good time doing this episode and got some really good tips and tactics and all kinds of stuff from the uh, guest. So I'm, I'm kind of bummed that I missed it, but I, I guess I'll get to listen to it on the podcast. <laughs> You'll get to listen as a listener again. Yeah, I'll be back as the uh, as a listener. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's, it's kind of cool, guys, what happened here. So Chase and I have very contrasting schedules, and one of the benefits to that was we had two guests that, w- that had agreed to come on the show. My schedule didn't align with one guest. Chase's schedule didn't align with my guest. So what we did is we split up, and we both went our separate ways for one week and recorded episodes solo so uh, so that we could bring both stories to you and capitalize on the opportunity. Um, but unfortunately that means you just have to listen to me this week and I know everybody tunes in for you. So they'll, they'll, <laughs> yeah, they'll <laughs> yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure, but no. So this week we talked to Mark Della Rosa. Um, this guy y'all is just the epitome of genuine. I'm, I cannot convey to you in words right now. I've been thinking about this, how I wanted to say this. I can't do a good enough job, but I'm confident that when you listen to this episode, you'll hear the passion, you'll hear the excitement come through in Mark's voice as he talks about fishing, as he talks about kayaking. And uh, he, he hails from the great state of Texas down there, and, and he has a good time. His YouTube channel is amazing and chock full of information. And Chase, you really missed a you missed a doozy with him, man, because I, when I got done listening to him, it was like 9 o'clock at night, and I was ready to like go load up the kayak and go on down to the coast in the middle of the night. I was just like, man, <laughs> it was awesome. 
Oh yeah, no doubt. There's definitely some episodes where I'm when we get done with the podcast and I'm just like, man, I'm ready to go right now. And yeah, <laughs> it's it's normally eight thirty, nine o'clock, or whatever, and I'm just like, okay, uh, is is it time to go? I'm ready to load the truck up and right. get out there and uh, get after it. So I know that feeling all too well, man. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, so since everybody can't hear from you this week on the episode, why don't you give everybody kind of an update of what's been going on with you and fishing? You've been doing a lot of it. T- tell them about your success, your failures, what's been going on. Oh, man, yeah. Well, I've uh, been out uh, fishing here lately. I've kind of had a little break in my schedule. Uh, A lot of people don't know this, but I have been going back to uh, get my bachelor's degree to uh, help me out with uh, kind of a promotion for work. So I was this last semester, I was taking three college classes. So I was kind of busy, but it was they're online classes. So there is kind of some leeway for me to be able to still get out and uh, enjoy some of the things I like to do, uh, outdoors, but we, we kind of had a break here for the semester. So I decided, Hey, now's the time for me to get out and get some more experience with this kayak. Cause I really don't, I don't have a ton of experience out on the kayak. And of course, the first time I went out, of course I, I dumped the kayak, which is, which was a, a hilarious <laughs> story. Maybe I'll be able to tell that sometime on the podcast. Yeah. And I went out and I was like, well, we got this fishing tournament going. So I'm like, well, of course, I need to get out, and I've always kind of bass fish, but I've always done of it out of a, like a John boat with a trolling motor and a little like Johnson motor on the back, and sure. uh, always been able to do well. I haven't fished. I mean, I fished some public areas and stuff, but I've I've been fortunate because I got this huge private lake that I've always been able to fish, and it's got stock ton full of bass. And I've also went out to a a public area near my house. There is a public area kind of close to my house. And I took it out uh, one day and a buddy of mine, we both went fishing. My, buddy's, my son's in the background. But we both went fishing and we had a good time. We were, uh, I was trying some different things. I, I've always been kind of a, a worm fisherman, um, mainly kind of without a weight. I'll just toss the worm up against banks and uh, things of that nature. And I've always had pretty good success with that, catching numbers, like numbers game, not necessarily catching big bass. But uh, we went out and had a good time. I lost several fish due to some – I'd put some old line on my one of my reels. And, of course, I had a snap uh, there, and then I fixed it. And then I lost a fish right at the kayak, which both fish were – I saw both of them. They were right by the kayak, and they were actually pretty good fish, probably in that three- to four-pound range, which is always nice. And the water there was – super dark um so the fish there actually looked pretty dark but i never got my hands on them so i guess it doesn't count but the other area i went to which was uh, yeah exactly the the other area that i went to it was a uh it's it's private but i mean like i said it's it's a pretty big it's kind of it's a lime rock quarry but it's really big right. um and i went out and one day i fished one half of it the uh the other day i fished the other half uh, i think the first day i went out i I probably caught 20 or more bass. Um, They were all in that probably one to two pound range, which is pretty typical for out there. Um, It's it's got areas where you kind of, if you pitch up against the walls, you can catch quite a bit of bass. Um, Never really the big bass. Uh, I have caught a nine pounder before doing that, but that's definitely uh, not the norm uh, for that area. You kind of got to get out in the, the center where there's a bunch of hydrilla. Um, but depending on the time of the year, it's a little bit harder because the hydrilla will kind of rise to the top and it's a little bit more difficult to fish those areas. And a lot of times I used to shiner fish out there and I'd always catch 
um, on the shiners. I mean, you got to get the possibility of catching a 10 to 12 pounder out there uh, on shiners, but I wasn't shiner fishing because the tournament, you can't uh, fish with live bait. So I was like, I got to get on the uh, artificial game. <laughs> and so I started the last time I went out, I'm like, okay, well, I know I can do it with worms and I want to try some different baits. So I specifically went out and uh, started using a swim bait. And I actually probably caught uh, 10 to 12 fish on the swim bait. Um, nothing crazy. Biggest one was probably two pounds. I did uh, lose a fish, which felt pretty good. But I think that was kind of a, it was a hook issue. It was one of those ones where you're kind of reeling it in and you're not really paying attention. You're thinking that it's almost back to the boat and something slams it and you don't really get a good hook set in it. Um, he stayed on for a while, but I never saw what it was. So it was probably a one pounder. Who knows? Um, probably just wishful thinking. But yeah, I've, I've had a good time going out. And basically, I'm not saying I'm pre-fishing, but just getting back and getting uh, in a groove on the kayak. You know what I mean? I'm, yeah. Uh, I haven't really fished from one, so it's more of, okay, where do I need to put my stuff? Or where do I want this rod at? Or what do I need to do with my bag? So it's just kind of getting in the groove of, okay, this is what I need to do. So when we get to that fishing tournament, I'll be ready. And bring uh, the Chasing Tails name. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, some love whenever uh, everybody's looking at the leaderboard because I know we got some studs out there that are going to be uh, oh, fishing yeah. in this tournament, especially uh, some of the uh, the podcasters or uh, producers like Greg. Um, they're they're good bass fishermen as well, so uh, I want to uh, be able to uh, be right there at the end. So that's what I've been doing here lately. Yeah, no, and and, and I'm glad you brought up the tournament. This is a great time to to plug it, guys. If you uh, if you're new to the podcast or if you're you're behind on the episodes, last week we dropped an episode announcing our first big project, which is a, the first ever Yakin' for Bass uh, challenge, and that is going to be a kayak, canoe, and stand up paddleboard kayak bass fishing competition. I'm not going to say a whole lot about it here, other than to say we've got already a thousand dollars worth of prizes lined up for this, and. Uh, so go back and listen to that other episode. Check it out. Send us any messages that you've got. We're going to be giving away some prizes for the people who, who register early. That's already in the works. In fact, since that episode was was launched, we have uh, uh, partnered with another company that we're going to drop that announcement here shortly. And uh, we're going to get you some more swag, get you some more incentives out there. And it's just going to be a good time to, to hang out and have a blast and, and compete against the Southern Ground Podcast, G2 Outdoors, the Southern Outdoorsman, and the Chase and Tails family. So, uh, and this, the uh, the white tail distraction guys too. And the white God, you know, there yeah. are uh, there are hype men, man. They they've been hyping they're hyping <laughs> this thing up. So yeah. I got to give them some uh, love for that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and that's a good case of, of what I'm about to say is, guys, if you know of a YouTuber or, or podcast creator that you'd like to fish against, send them a message and say, hey, get in contact with Chasing Tails Outdoors, guys. We're we'll gladly up until uh, before the tournament starts, we'll accept other creators who who want to uh, get in on this and fish against their listeners and subscribers. So uh, it's it's a great thing, and uh, it's going to be a good time. So go back and listen to that episode. And one last piece of, of, of business before we go, check out, if you haven't already, our Patreon account. 
www.patreon.com slash chasing tales outdoors we've got a variety of tiers there that support the show that money goes into the production it goes into travel costs to go see chase and record some of these episodes and we've got some high expectations for the show moving forward and uh, if you feel compelled to, to donate to the show and to help us meet those goals there's some tiers that you can sign up for and they've got a variety of benefit and as we hit those goals we're going to announce we're going to be dropping content for you guys that's new and exciting and uh, it's it's a good time. So we've got several patrons already. Big thank you to them for supporting the show. And uh, well, let's let's go ahead and get on on the horn with uh, Mark. What do you think? Yeah, you uh, let's put uh, the podcast with Mark on. Awesome, dude. All right, y'all. We are back, and this week's guest. I am. I, I say this every week, and I got to come up with something more original, guys. I apologize. It's two years now, but it's the honest to god truth. I'm excited every week, but. I've got the pleasure, the honor of having a fella on who I enjoy watching, learning from, and just consuming his YouTube channel. I've got Mark De La Rosa. De, you know what? I never asked you. Is that how you say your name? Yes, that is. That's oh, correct. see, I get lucky every once in a while. But, uh, buddy, how are how are you doing today? Oh, uh, I'm doing fine. Uh, good to talk to you finally, and uh, everything is going great on my end. That's fantastic. We we were talking before we we got going, and uh, you, you did some fishing today. That kind of that's your mainstay. You, you get to do a lot of that, and I'm envious. But the the obvious benefit for me is you put a lot of this onto YouTube, which means uh, while I'm working uh, <clears throat> on my breaks, of course, um, I get to uh, you know watch watch what you put out. And man, I've got to say, you you put out some some original content that's that's uh, engaging and it's different. You know, it's. It's not just uh, another guy out there catching fish. You, you fish from piers. You fish from a kayak in areas that I think a lot of people probably don't think to fish. Before I get into that too far, why don't you kind of give everybody a little bit of a backstory as to, to who you are and maybe how you got into fishing? All right. So, uh, yeah, my uh, name is Mark De La Rosa. I spent the better portion of my young adult life as a United States Marine for a little over 22 years and then retired uh, on 2017, like the very last day is December 31st. And thank you for your service. Oh, thank you. Uh, But yeah, uh, after retirement, uh, I didn't, you know, know what I wanted to do. So I Actually, the the story begins two years before retirement. I didn't know what I wanted to do, so I decided that uh, I was going to be a full-time fisherman after watching the Googans. I'm pretty sure a lot of people out there uh, know the the, the group of young kids, and I happened to come across one of their videos that resonated with me. They said that they were making money, and I was like, wait a minute, this can't be true. (laughs) (laughs) So after seeing that and following them for a little while, uh, I got hooked. I was like, you know, fishing is my passion. Uh, It was my pastime when I was uh, stationed in New York and my family was still here in Texas. Uh, That's all I did to pass my time until I was able to come back home uh, to reunite with them. So, yeah, it's pretty much in a nutshell uh, what I did before I became a full-time fisherman as a, uh, a YouTuber. I think uh, everybody who just heard that intro is thinking, God, I, this guy, he, you're living the dream, my man. How, I, I just, I, I, I think uh, everybody sits at, at work and, 
and uh, says, you know what I'd love to do one day? I want to I wanna be a professional hunter or a professional fisherman, and you're doing it. You're doing the thing. Is it as glorious as it, as it uh, looks on YouTube? Oh, yes. Uh, it's all <laughs> of that and then some because I <laughs> – I don't actually put everything out there. I The channel is predominantly like kayak fishing, but as you stated before, I do venture out to do other things to try to mix it up and give the audience a little bit of everything that the Texas coast has to offer. And uh, I enjoy it like thoroughly. Uh, maybe later on in the future, there will be a little bit of vlogging, some behind the scenes of house life and what I do when I'm not on the water, how I go about my day. But as it stands right now during the uh, infancy of the channel, I'm concentrating primarily on growing it. And to do that, I've had the best luck with uh, just staying away from the personal stuff and just keeping it all fishing. Yeah. But I mean, it it is, yeah, it is a blast. Uh, Every day is something new. It's different. And, uh, I could never, or actually you would never hear me say that, oh gosh, same old thing, you know, different, <laughs> different. Yeah. I, you know, I, I was really hoping you were going to tell me like, you know, some days it's really hard to get up and go, but no, you just, you just, you poured salt in the wound and, 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 and confirmed that it's a, it's a wonderful, a wonderful way to make a living. It looks like. <laughs> oh, most definitely. <laughs> So let me let me do this because if I, I wanted to ask this before and I felt like I was about to overrun it already, why saltwater? You know, you do some bass fishing, but why does saltwater get you so good there on the Texas coast? Uh, so, I mean, that it's mainly because I grew up, I was born and raised in Houston, and Galveston is approximately like 45 minutes to an hour, depending on where you are in Houston. That's how far it is away. And the, you know, just as a kid, I always remembered how strong these saltwater fish uh, can pull your line. And when that drag goes off, I mean, you're instantly, you're hooked. And, you know, there's, there's no other feeling in the world like it. Now, largemouth bass, uh, I, they have, they hold a special place in my heart. I absolutely love them. They got me through whenever I was stationed in Fort Worth and New York and other uh, states where we're basically landlocked. Um, but coming back home, I, I always knew that the salt is where I grew up. It's what I knew how to fish first and foremost. And I, I basically just turned to the freshwater thing because that's where I was and that's all I had to fish. And uh, I got really good at bass fishing, crappie fishing, and uh, took a liking to it. I even did some cat fishing uh, when I was stationed in Fort Worth. Caught quite a few things by mistake on like ultralight gear and small, tiny reels. And then so that just became a personal challenge. I was like, wow, if I could reel in a 15 pound catfish on five pound test. What else can I do with these things? And since the reels handle per, like flawlessly, I'm like, wow, you know, a lot of people tend to think that a 500 series spinning reel is, it doesn't have enough muscle, but you're, I think like through the years, your skill will kind of help mm-hmm. you to land big fish. And so, I mean, that's like the whole 
freshwater thing, bass fishing, uh, crappie, catfish. And so, yeah, I, I did have fun doing that, but my love, my passion, definitely the salt water, uh, just for the sheer brute strength that those guys <laughs> have got to give. And, and uh, I mean, I, I absolutely love it. So when I got back home to Texas, uh, I didn't go out and purchase all new gear. I just transferred everything that I had oh. and, you know, just basically started using it for fishing for redfish. I mean, th- those guys act like bass. They'll hit anything that you throw in front of them. So uh, it was basically a seamless transition. You know, it's it's funny to me uh, if my little brother, he's he is he lives and breathes fishing. I mean, just all forms of fishing, but especially, you know, inshore fishing and fly fishing. Those are his two big passions. And I'm a little more well-rounded. I enjoy hunting a lot. And in the fall, my time is going to be very much split between fishing and hunting here and, and on the panhandle of Florida. But I'm getting back into it. And for me, I grew up on the Atlantic coast in Southeast Georgia, and there wasn't a whole lot of fish, freshwater fishing opportunities over there at all, actually. And so I got kind of burnt out, I guess you could say, on saltwater fishing. But the one fish, the one fish that I have never in my life been uh, you know, upset to pursue has been redfish, and that seems to be your mainstay. And I think, now that I say that out loud, that's probably why I resonate so well with your content, because that... You get so tickled, and I, I, I mean that you just every time. And I, I just, you know, I, I there's a lot of guys where you can you can tell that maybe they're putting on a show or something like that. But you just <laughs> when you land a fish, you just get so excited. What is what is when, when you catch a big redfish on light tackle? What's what is it, what emotions are running through your head? What's it what's it feel like to you? Uh so that one right there. Yes, uh, I, I absolutely love fighting that red uh in in the marsh uh mainly but uh whenever i'm fighting him it's like just sheer joy because (laughs) first off you get to you get to actually see everything out there you become like so in tune to mother nature and doing it from a kayak you're on ground level in the trench with that redfish and uh, your heart, the adrenaline starts going whenever you see a crawler, some like a red with his back out of the water, cruising the bank of the grass. You see the grass shrimp popping all over the place because they're running for their life. <laughs> and so that just kind of starts uh, that domino effect of excitement. The adrenaline's going. You hope that you're going to select the right rod that's already pre-tied with lures behind you and then you make the cast and then just instantly, you know, if you're going to get bit or not, because that red, he, he'll do that tail thrust and it pushes a big wake and you're like, Oh gosh, he's going for it. <laughs> and then, cause you get to see everything just play out. And, uh, there's just no way to hide the raw emotion that overcomes you whenever you're about to tangle up with something that you just saw and you're like, I know you're there, you're going to bite it. And <laughs> I, it's, it's, it's absolutely amazing. And it never gets old. Uh, as I was saying earlier, uh, it, it may be, uh, just the same type of fish, but each fish is unique in its own way. And I'm, I'm just grateful to be out there and 
have these guys to continuously fight. And uh, it's, it's, I don't, there's no way to explain it. And hopefully, you know, one of these days I'm going to be able to show my audience exactly what it is that I'm seeing uh, in the marsh so that I don't have to try and explain it on camera by narrating in my video. I can just like actually show them and, you know, maybe one day everybody in the audience is going to be able to experience seeing a redfish, like sight casting to them, being in the marsh where it's super quiet. You're hearing the birds, you hear the water, you hear the blowups of a redfish. And, you know, the longer you go out there, the more you're going to be able to identify without even looking what is a, what does it sound like when a redfish is blowing up on bait? Or what does it sound like when a mullet is going airborne and just flopping on the water, taking a joyride? Uh, those are the things that you become in tune with, uh, just going out there constantly. And I, again, I'm blessed to be able to do this uh, daily as my job. It's it's such a treat. So let's let's we'll t- we'll touch on that. So don't lose the direction of your of your platform because at the end of the podcast, I want you to to I wanted to give you the opportunity to plug where where people can find you, and I kind of wanted you to use that opportunity to tell them what's coming down the pipe for MDLR. So so hang on to that, but. Before we sure. get to that, I want to kind of touch on the the light tackle that you use because the first episode I ever watched of you, and I think you touched on this a minute ago, you were using a crappie rig, and you, and you're talking <laughs> to the to the to the mic, and I'm sitting here thinking, what kind of pod or what kind of YouTube channel have I just stumbled on that this guy's out here with a slip cork and this little like you know two three inch jig for for, for down here we call them specs instead of crappie, but what got you to go to that? Was the was it the natural progression of ultralight tackle? Well, I can probably just use the same stuff literally across the board. Yeah. Oh, well, kind of. So yes, I didn't want to all new gear. I wanted to get back in it and learn it from the ground up, but I had, there, there was something that was always in the back of my mind fishing for freshwater, the largemouth bass and the crappie. Um, whenever the bite was tough in New York, I would always downsize my lures. And small lures always let you have a great time when you're out on the water. You're able to catch something. Something is always going to bite a tiny little zoom fluke or uh, like a bass assassin grub. And... Every once in a while, you get lucky, and a big fish will bite that too. Especially if you dangle it right in front of their face, you get lucky. I've, you know, been lucky enough to land some pretty decent-sized bass uh, with tiny lures. So I carried the same concept over to saltwater. Uh, it's again, first, it's the challenge of being able to land such a brute fighting fish on five pound braid with a six pound floral leader and being <laughs> just that absurd. <laughs> yeah it, it is it's most definitely is and uh I, it, it's it's a blast uh there's no other way to describe it uh, aside of once you're able to fight a red and give the fella a chance to actually get away or snap your line um, it, it will put your your gear to the test and you give them a chance to, you know, roll up their sleeves and just go toe to toe with you. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it is awesome for sure. And switching over uh, from fresh to salt, 
that's like the main thing that I took. So when it got tough, when I first got back to uh, Houston and started fishing, um, I had a tough time uh, using my lures and everything. I just didn't know where to start. It was like relearning everything after being gone for 22 plus years. So I turned to gulp. I think that's what everybody uses <laughs> as like a, uh, a confidence bait. And I was using like popping corks with gulp underneath it and just some various other things that I had already had in my saltwater tackle box. And, uh, I just, I don't, I, I guess learned from the ground up. I'm like, I, I know how to fish. I know, I know how to fish. I can catch fish. Uh, just stop thinking too much into it. And I started taking out lures with me to the salt that I normally used for the uh, freshwater and they started working. So I'm like, well, if this works, well then let's try this and let's try this. And the reason why I think I stick with redfish is because they act like a bass, uh, in certain mm -hmm. situations they, they have a like just monstrous appetite to eat anything. I mean, they're darn near gluttons in the water and, uh, throwing these bass lures and crappie lures at them. They really didn't care that it was big or small. They just knew they wanted to eat it. So that's the main reason why you see me out there with ultralight gear, uh, fishing the marsh and it's, I know it's, I'm like an unorthodox fisherman whenever everybody sees me up here and I see the gear that they're using and then they watch the channel and they see what I'm using and they're like, there's no way, you know, like, how are you using it? And then when they see me in person and they see the gear, like they're actually holding it in their hands, they're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you're catching slot size redfish and, you know, sometimes <laughs> over slot redfish. Yeah on a 500 series spinning reel or, you know, a tiny little bait caster. And then you're using like custom made light action rods, ultra light rods or extra light, uh, casting rods. And, uh, yeah, it, it's a blast for sure. What are some of the, well, you know, before I get to that, the fishing in Texas, you know, I think about Texas, I think about a lot of things. Saltwater fishing doesn't always pop to mind for me. You know, I, since I've started watching your show, uh, a lot of the the areas you're fishing are very similar to me. It's 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 funny because I am of the generation that you know we YouTube and Google everything right just right from the yes. start. That's literally a verb. You know, it's it's amazing that we have that at our fingertips. But I'm also just old enough that I remember before you know Google. You know, you you had an encyclopedia of different you know topics and stuff and handyman books were mm -hmm. a thing. And we would go out. The, I was sight fishing before I realized sight fishing was a thing. It was just a naturally occurring thing. That's how I got hooked on redfish. We had this 12-foot John boat, and I would paddle it back in these estuaries, and you'd see that boil, and you were like, and you'd see the the the, the bait fish jumping, the shrimp jumping. You're like, there's a predatory something right there. If I can, if I can just get yes. something in front of it, you know, and. We were landing these like twenty, you know, we'd catch small ones too, but we'd also hook into every once in a while these thirty-inch redfish back here in a creek that's, you know, fifteen feet wide and maybe three feet deep, and it's chock full of oyster bars. And the area you're fishing is so similar to that. For the people who aren't familiar with Texas, how abundant and 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 yeah, we'll just say that how abundant is the the inshore fishing in Texas? Uh, it is vast. 
Uh, and we have different, like, uh, for a lack of a better term, body, like inshore bay body styles of water. On the upper Texas coast, uh, you've got real chocolatey, muddy, marshy fishing. And then as you venture down towards uh, the lower Texas coast, South Padre Island, Corpus Christi, all of that in those areas, uh, the water becomes a little bit more clear and clean. Uh, but they don't have the the uh, marsh fishing the way we have up here on the upper Texas coast so like as you go further south you've got the grass flats but uh i mean it, it is you have your pick of the litter as far as whatever style of fishing that you want to do uh, i know i travel frequently down to port o'connor texas which is like in the middle portion of the texas coast and uh it's clear water uh that's where i can say that I honestly started to hone my skill for sight casting redfish. Uh, it was another YouTuber that invited me down. He was like, Hey, you've been watching the channel. Uh, his name is, uh, David and, uh, his channel is, uh, what goodness, I, I'm drawing a blank. Uh, man, what's David's channel's name? I'm trying, <laughs> I'm trying to remember. <laughs> it is, uh, trail chaser. Oh, I know who you're talking about. I'm subscribed to him too. I didn't realize that uh, y'all y'all were yes. close like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, me and myself, David, uh, are really great friends. He invited me down to come fishing with him in Port O'Connor, and so I'm like, yeah, I jumped right on it. And the guy is amazing at his craft. Uh, there were times where I'm like, I don't see what he's looking at and he's like there goes a fish right over there he makes the cast and then oh hooked up i'm like are you kidding me i'm like what did you see and this was like my first season back into it uh fishing and i i just i was like the guy is a phenomenal fisherman <laughs> and so like the grass flats there with clear water that that's really nice and then you come up here to where i'm at in like galveston and then i go a little bit further north on the coast uh towards sabine pass that's the uh, texas louisiana border and you've got the chocolate muddy bayous uh as you described there in florida which y'all have yeah. uh, we've got the same thing it's just not as clear it's it looks like uh a glass of chocolate milk, and then the only reason why you know oyster is there is because low tide, and you can see it. Um, but we have a bit of everything, and it's it's unique in every area. And based off of the construct of these marsh systems, is what I'm going to call them. Um, they, uh, I will ch pick and choose where it is that I want to drive on the Texas coast to fish based off of like the winds if the winds are super high i'll hit a marsh system that's got very tall grass which that's going to be like sabine pass and if we have great weather well then it's like dealer's choice i'll just pick anything that i know the bite is hot um but yeah our our salt water and inshore fishery is it, it's absolutely fire whenever you go out there if you know what you're doing you can pretty much stay on the fish all year round through the seasons that's awesome and and, and i think there's a diversity of of 
of fish there as well. You you fish a lot of the jetty, which is something that I've always heard about, but I've never done. What we have a lot of landlocked or northern uh, listeners here. Can you kind of describe? I think everybody kind of knows what kayak fishing looks like. What is fishing a jetty, um, and what what opportunities do you have uh, fishing on it on a jetty? So the the jetties are it, it's a formation of rocks that. I'm not even sure if it's the state or who it is that places them at these strategic points, uh, usually close to rivers, but it's for our big tankers that come in and out of the port of Houston, let's say Freeport and various other locations in uh, small cities. Uh, these tankers come through. So these two formations of rocks basically keep the, the surf at bay inside the channel that it that both of them create so you'll have what everybody refers to a north jetty and then a south jetty the north jetty just it's north of the south jetty and vice versa um so these huge rocks some of them are paved some of them are just uh like unfixed where they don't they don't lay any asphalt or cement mm. or anything like that uh, the paved ones are the ones that I like to stick to because it's <laughs> it's easier to fish <laughs> and uh, you can uh, get on and off of them fairly easy. So at but, these rocks, go ahead. By pa- I'm sorry, but, but by paved, you mean like there's a, an easy walkway out there, right? Like, y- yes. Like a sidewalk of sorts? Yes. Okay. Okay. Yes. And so uh, at, at these jetties, you're able to access fairly deep water because on our coast uh, it's it's pretty shallow you have to go out a long ways in order to get to some deep water and these allow you uh, for those that do not have boats to get out and access the deep water along our coast uh, it allows them the opportunity to go after fish during like certain times of the year let's just say right now we're uh, currently waiting for the jacks to come back inshore and the Spanish mackerel. That's something that we get in the upper Texas uh, coast. Now, down towards the south, let's say uh, the Aransas Pass jetties and further south, uh, they basically have a whole smorgasbord of fish that they could go after. You've got the jacks, you have the Spanish mackerel as well redfish like bull reds uh, i think they got mangrove snapper they're able to go after snook which is something uh unheard of to me i always thought that was something like you could only get in florida <laughs> but uh, further down on our coast uh, you're able to hook into some snook Warm and water, then yeah. You, yeah you can go after kingfish so uh these jetties allow the average angler to get out there and have a shot at going after some of these uh, species of fish that you otherwise wouldn't be able to reach unless you had a boat. So, you know, I look at your videos and, and I'm sure there are challenges that come with creating videos, but I think about you fishing on a jetty and on all of those videos, the jetty seems like it's, it's a mile or two long and there's just rod after rod after rod. I, yes. It, okay, so I'm not I'm not exaggerating when I say that. So 
I guess what where I'm going with this is how on earth do you catch fish? Because to me, it just seems like those fish see so many lures and bait, but you seem to consistently go out there and catch fish without giving your secrets away. What's the misconception about jetty fishing? Uh, so watching one of the videos, it seems as if like, hey, uh, this guy is constantly catching fish over and over and over again. The misconception is uh, there is a lot of downtime. You're grinding it out. You're waiting forever for the bite to take place. And uh, I want to say you're going to have more bad days than you are good because uh, you're just waiting for the fish to come in. And like right now for me, I'm barely in my second season since retiring and uh, I'm still learning. I'm keeping my daily journal and referring back to last year's notes where it was just kind of like throwing darts in the dark because I didn't know where to start. And, uh, I don't really have much knowledge to go off of now. If I had a good day, well, that's the benchmark for like, okay, this day was good. What was the weather like? And what were the conditions? Was the water clean? Was it dirty? Did it look like chocolate milk? Um, what bait were you using? What direction were the winds coming out of? And if I, uh, like plotted down the, uh, if I wrote down the tide, what, what that was doing, then I would have that information. But normally I don't have the luxury of following the tides or the barometric pressure and like the salinity level, so many other things that a fisherman can do that helps them be successful. Uh, That's my only downfall. Actually, it's not even a downfall. That's my handicap for fishing uh, or being a full-time fisherman because my job is to create content, to go out there, enjoy the day, catch fish. And it's like, okay, well, the conditions aren't good for today so i'm not gonna go (laughs) that would be unheard of as a youtuber um (laughs) you get out there and you grind it out until you make it happen and it's there's a lot of thinking involved uh there's really no secret to fishing uh it requires a lot of luck and i've always said that i've been lucky a time or two now your knowledge that's gonna help you out uh in the end to basically put fish on your line. It's just developing a type of intuition on, I think I should be doing this right now. And, you know, it helps out a lot, but there's, uh, to me, there's really no secret. Uh, I believe in sharing everything that I have learned because I, I think everybody should have an opportunity to experience, uh, the joy that, they may see in my video like, okay, wow, I want to know what that's like, or I want to experience that. So that's basically what I'm doing, just trying to help them out to have more productive days as well with anything that I can provide to those guys. You know, I I think my favorite phrase of all time, I'm, I'm big on historical quotes, like these guys that have done incredible things with their lives, right? And Thomas Jefferson once said that I'm a great believer in luck, and I often find that the harder I work, the more of it I have. Obviously, inferring that, you know, opportunity and preparation is luck. You know, it's just this, those two things meeting. 
being that you fish for a living, do you think that that motivation to get out there and go fish and some of those times where maybe people would normally just sleep in and not go, do you find that you, you end up having success on those days and it kind of leads to you having uh, a broader knowledge base when fishing the jetties or in the kayak in general? Yeah, that's a great question. Yes, most definitely I feel that way. Come to a South Texas winter, even though it's not cold, we don't have freezing temps or anything like that. Oh, sometimes we do occasionally, but uh, everything that you just stated, uh, it's that's what I experienced during my wintertime fishing here, not having anything to go off of. The marsh water is going to be... 40 degrees and it's like man there's not going to be any fish out here biting but to my surprise there are reds in our shallow bayous that may be an average depth of about three foot deep and then you you could find some pockets that will hold about eight feet of water and you get lucky to be able to find those guys and uh, just going out there time and time again again being the full-time youtuber as a fisherman uh, needing to produce content during the winter where most would just, you know, wrap it up for the season, turn their channel to a different direction. I strictly stayed fishing and oh my gosh, that was a, it was just a big undertaking on my part to constantly try and produce fish. The quality of the fish, uh, sometimes for the majority of those videos was kind of lacking, but the fact that I was able to entice a fish to take a artificial lure uh, was such a big challenge. And whenever I got them to do it, uh, that's where the sheer joy shines through. And I'm just like, oh, wow, Uh, I can't believe I got that fish to bite. Uh, And that's what kept me going back for more. It's like just, you know, that was my fix for the day. And in a couple of days, I want to go right back out there and get that again. And then just through the repetitive nature of it, you hone your craft and you just start to pick up on everything. So it just makes you a more well-rounded angler. And it also makes you appreciate the uh, the warmer months, like when spring gets here <laughs> and it's summertime. <laughs> you, yeah, I imagine so. Some of those videos, man, you look bundled up like it's 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 cold outside, and there's there's times where you're letting a fish go, and you can see you like recoil from the, <laughs> putting that fish in the water. So that's uh, I, I I think though, even though you're not catching very many big fish, and hold on, let me back that up because that sounds like an insult. I think that sometimes <laughs> during the that's not what I meant, but in those those times in which you struggle, and we all have them, the fact that you still document that is so genuine and transparent. I just, I, I, it's, it's easy to relate to because we all, especially the weekend warrior like me, more often than not, we get skunked. So to see you uh, go out there and, and, you know, sometimes catch a, a couple small fish instead of a, you know, big old, uh, what do you call them? Mud donkeys? Is that what you call them? Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it, it reaffirms that, uh, you know, you're, you're one of us, you just get to fish a lot more, you know? So I, I enjoy it. I hope you don't stop for sure. Yeah, no, I definitely will not. Uh, I, I appreciate the fight that every fish has to give. And uh, if you watch enough of the videos, I'm pretty sure that uh, saying will come out uh, in the video. And 
I guess like using ultralight rods and extra light casting rods, uh, you do get to appreciate the smaller fish. And yeah, some I've been fooled many a times where I'm reeling in a mud chicken, which is what I consider a rat red uh, that's under slot. (laughs) And these little... (laughs) <laughs> these little 15 inch guys, uh, I, they'll fool you. You'll think that you have a trophy class, a speckle trout on. And you're like, when you finally get them up to the surface and they get next to the kayak, you're like, Oh my goodness, little guy. <laughs> like, I can't believe you pulled that hard, but on those custom rods, uh, it allows that, that rod to bend and it's that that's where you truly appreciate the fight that the little guy has to give so i i don't discriminate on any of them it's a joy to catch each and every fish out there what's your favorite jetty fish to go after uh the jack jack creval uh, i absolutely love those things for the fight uh i i took my son recently and uh he my oldest and when he was like, well, well, what does a jack feel like uh, when it bites? I'm like, son, you're going to know when he bites, you're going to, I'm like, you're going to know. And so he just kept on like, I, what's it going to feel like? And then when he finally hooked his first one, uh, I saw the rod bend and then I looked at him. He's like, it's a jack. It's a jack. (laughs) And, and it's like, you know, anybody that has, uh, never caught a jack before uh, they're gonna know instantly what they have because your drag is just going to start screaming and you're like oh my gosh am i ready for this and uh, it's it's a uh, it's such a treat to be able to hear your drag it's like your drag <laughs> you're not listening to it on tv or anything it's like i never knew my reel could scream this loud no, it's, it's awesome that that's incredible. Is your son getting into to fishing with you more? It feels like having, uh, you know, embarrassing note here. Having watched all your videos, it seems like more recently he's been featured in those. Is that going to be a, a a staple moving forward? Is that? Uh... Yeah, uh, he he definitely wants to get into the game of YouTube, and he's uh, treading water lightly right now. He's still doing college, but during the summertime. He will be featured a lot more in some of my videos. He started up his own channel, and uh, he, he's just messing around with editing, uh, learning the ins and outs, asking me questions. And then uh, I cherish the time that I get to spend with him now, uh, and hopefully the my other two children will, at some point in time, they'll come out there and learn what Mother Nature has to offer and can just pick my brain. I'm an open book to them. And, uh, I do see him possibly pursuing a career as a YouTuber, whether it's going to be a full-time thing or not, that remains to be, you know, to be seen. But, uh, I told him, Hey, first and foremost, you're going to finish college, get your education, and you'll always have that Mm -hmm. to fall back on if the YouTube gig does not work out for you. But uh, there's a lot of hard work in it, and those are some of the deeper conversations that we talk about to and from our launch spot or the particular uh, bank that we're going to fish off of. 
So it's, it's really enjoyable. It's opened up like a, a new chapter in parenting for me because uh, for the, I would say, the last seven years in my Marine Corps career, I was away from home. Uh, mm. I did two tours uh, away from Houston, and they were here with Mama and not being raised uh, by the father figure, you know, uh, for quite some time. And those were like really important years in their life. So I look at it as I look at it as my chance to uh, just talk about deep things with him while we're there, or just talk about you know just anything that's comedic in nature and enjoy try to make up for the years that I missed whenever I was gone. But uh, hopefully he does uh, appreciate fishing, uh, the fish, that the fight that they have to give, everything that I appreciate in the fish. Hopefully I'm able to like just pass that down to him. I couldn't think of a better gift. To have a mentor, you know, having started this podcast, which pales in comparison to the effort that – you know, you have to go through being a creator for YouTube, you know, to have had somebody to help me, you know, guide through that, man, I'm, I'm envious of your son. (laughs) 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 What, you know, you, you bring up the challenges that come with that. And it it begs the question, what was the most daunting thing, uh, taking a leap into being a YouTube creator for you? Oh gosh, there was, uh, so many hurdles and challenges, uh, before, Retiring from the Marine Corps, as I said earlier, the last two years, I was doing YouTube kind of like part-time. It was actually darn near close to a full-time job because when I wasn't at work on the weekends, I did two fishing trips for one Saturday and then one on Sunday, and that was going to be my content, and I would edit it throughout the week. And so just going out there, getting your footage uh, was a challenge because, I mean, as we all know, you can't make the fish bite. You can only hope that they are going to bite and they're going to be in a feeding mood. So getting over that hurdle, if you got the fish to you know, get on your line and you successfully land them, you now have that footage. Uh, second hurdle is whenever you get home and you're really excited to start the editing process Next thing you know, your GoPro or whatever action camera you use, uh, it had a fault in it. So that was always Mm. a big issue with me because I was using hand-me-down action cameras and they weren't always the most reliable. So that was kind of tough. And the budget basically couldn't afford to support a household here in Texas plus a household there in New York. And, uh, it was like, okay, so saving pennies up to get quality gear, uh, whenever that took place, then it made life a little bit easier for the whole filming aspect of it. Great audio came in a little bit later. So the, uh, the gear is like, it should be a priority for anybody out there thinking about doing YouTube. Uh, I'm a culprit of it. Whenever I watch a video, if you don't have crisp audio to hear the dialogue coming through and the just hearing the sights and sounds out there in mother nature then i'm more opt to or more apt to uh, just hit the skip button and so taking that mindset i'm like well 
you know, what does that say for you and not having the, the good gear. So I just, I believe in the whole concept of cry once and <laughs> then enjoy the rest of your days. Um, so that, that's kind of what I turned to and, uh, the gear was no longer an issue. Then after that, you have the whole editing, uh, the, that was a tough, like nut to crack, uh, just through time. Like I cringe when I look back at some of my first videos <laughs> and, and see like the, the product that I created and then to where I've come now doing it full time, uh, you get better at it. So just stick to your guns, keep doing it. You get better. Your software gets better. You learn how to use it. You start looking on YouTube yourself to see how to create certain transitions or just create some type of effect that you're going for on your video. And uh, that took basically like two, what was it, two to four years. And oh, wow. I, honestly, honestly, you actually don't even stop learning. It's just an ongoing process to continuously try to get better. Um, so that was definitely a big challenge on YouTube. Now I saved this one for last because it was the toughest and that is talking to a camera where nobody is there talking out loud so that your audience <laughs> can hear you clearly. And then you've got another boat in the background or somebody on the bank and they're like, what is this guy doing? Like, who is he talking to? And that that was the biggest thing. It was like the shyness of being in front of the camera. But then <laughs> through through time, you just you learn how to to deal with it, and just the repetitive nature of it. You get over the shyness, and it's like okay, now it's just secondhand nature. Just like breathing, uh, you'll finally feel comfortable with what you're doing, and uh, so th those were like the tough things as far as starting the channel and like moving forward to now it's, it's just like an afterthought now. You know, it, it, it's funny. I have, I, it's funny because for me, I, I just got a GoPro and um, I'm out there doing my, my best uh, MDLR impression on, on a, a freshwater lake here. <laughs> and I'm talking to the camera. I realize I've got exactly what you said. I've got to talk to the camera. And I'm passing this little this little dock, and there's a kid and his dad out there fishing. And I'm talking to the camera, and the little boy goes, "Daddy, who's he talking to?" And I'm like, "Oh my god!" I I, I, got, I, I immediately became self conscious. I was super embarrassed, and I just reeled up and just started paddling off. I just I couldn't stand to be in that moment any longer. But I'm sure that's like something you have to get used to. And I'm sure, especially on the jetties, you're talking and and you probably get a funny look at first until you know they recognize you're talking to the gopro right yes yes most <laughs> definitely i think everybody everybody definitely goes through that and the jetty <laughs> is a prime spot especially if you go on the weekend because it literally is elbow to elbow right yeah. ang anglers all lined up ready to catch a speckled trout ready whatever is biting they're out there to try to catch that and then Whenever you go out there on the weekend, uh, like last season, it was really tough because I was still shy with the whole filming out in public and a lot of ongoers or fishermen just trying to do their thing. And then they're like, who is this guy next to me? And, and he's like, that, that's, that was my uh, thought <laughs> process. Like that, that's what they're thinking about me. And, um, 
eventually after they start to learn who you are, uh, they're like, Oh, Hey, it's, it's you. So-and-so YouTube guy. And, <laughs> uh, it, it makes it a lot easier because like, okay, yeah, these people are, are now watching and they know who I am. So it makes the job a lot easier. And then I, I think at that point, that's where you kind of transition to no longer feeling shy and embarrassed to speak out loud. And now it's like you feel kind of accepted. Yeah. And what you're doing, everybody realizes, hey, that's his craft. That's what he does. That That's how he earns his living. So uh, that definitely makes it a lot easier whenever people start coming up to you. Oh, I love your content. And uh, now uh, just being able to like bask in the limelight uh, with people just coming up to me in the most odd places, uh, I'll be shopping or me and the wife will be having dinner. And then someone's like, Hey, I'm sorry to bother you. And it, so it took a little while to get <laughs> used to that and you feel really flattered. But then after a while, it's like, it comes with the territory and it just makes the job a lot easier with being comfortable in your own skin. Uh, I imagine, I don't know how I'd handle that. No one thus far, but there was one guy that recognized me, but it, it I managed to handle that kind of normally. I, he he, <laughs> he teed it up for me. He, he saw me at a gas station, and I had my Chase and Tails hat on. And and he's like, oh, or no, he saw my decal on the back of the truck. That's what it was. And he and he and he said, oh, you you, watch, you listen to Chase and Tails? I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. He goes, oh, I love the podcast, but the 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 guy's a bit of a smartass, and I am. I, 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 there's no <laughs> doubt that that's who I am. And and. I'm, I'm sitting here realizing, oh, this guy's got no idea who I am. So that's probably why I responded. And I was like, oh yeah, yeah, you know, he he, he really is. He can he can really pour it on sometimes. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a good show and everything. And I was and and he starts showing me fish on his Instagram. And everything. It's like, oh okay. Well, let me pull up my Instagram and let me show you my pictures. So I pull up the Chasing Tales Instagram and I start <laughs> scrolling through. And he looks at me and he looks down. And he looks at me and he goes like, oh, dude, now nah, you're cool. It, <laughs> I know who I am. It's 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 all good, you know. And and we yeah. sat there and, and swapped stories for a little bit. That's the that's the only claim to fame I have. It's probably the last time it's ever going to happen to me. But um yeah it's 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 weird that there's there's parts to it that uh are definitely uncomfortable at first but it, i'm glad to hear it do the do the people on the jetties ever feel like you're like bringing too much attention to their spot have you encountered that uh so that's that's like a mixed bag i do have some people uh i mean you take the good in with the bad and a lot of them are grateful because they are re- like weakened warriors mm-hmm. that don't really get a chance to go out there and do what it is that I'm doing. And after watching a video, they get so hyped and they're ready to go <laughs> on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and it packs. I'm So I'm not going to be presumptuous and say, because of my video, the jetty is packed. Uh, that would be a far cry. Sure. Uh, I do know that some of them do go out there because they watch the video and they have now learned, Oh, look, Mark is catching such and such on the jetty. Uh, that must mean that they're there because my turnaround time, what most people don't realize is like a two day. Uh, it's not just one episode a week. So sometimes it's not uncommon for me to go out fish that night, come back, edit the entire video, go to bed at about one, one thirty AM and then wake up at 4 AM to do it all over again. Holy cow. Uh, it, 
yeah, it just depends on how bad I need the content. And it's been a while since I've published a video. And if you don't want to lose your forward momentum with uh, YouTube in recommending your videos and your growth uh, is directly related to that, uh, you, you know, I have to do that sometimes, but going back to the people going out there and stacking up a certain spot, uh, yes, I am approached sometimes saying, Hey, you know, I love your videos, but man, you're really messing it up for us locals because it's getting <laughs> packed. And then I have others that tell me like, Hey, why are you giving away spots? Because I have another thing, uh, that helps to support what I do, <clears throat> excuse me. It helps to support what I do in fishing, being able to fish full time. And that's Patreon. That's like for yeah. online creators. And if anybody wants to provide patronage to the channel, uh, I give them an experience that goes well beyond what they see on YouTube itself. And so for all my patrons, they have an opportunity to have a detailed map and with waypoints on where I'm launching the route that I take in the marsh, where I'm catching fish, uh, the things that I basically look for as I go about through my trip in the marsh. And, uh, when some of the other anglers that have taken years to figure out what it is that they want. And it's like, it's super controversial. Um, uh, and so I'm just trying to make sure that I <laughs> describe it as best I sure. can, because it is a real, it's a real touchy subject with some people. And they're like, yeah, you're really burning spots out. And it took me three years to learn this spot. Sure. And now because of you, I'm seeing more people out there. Uh, and I'm like, so in my defense, I just let them know. I'm like, so what's the difference in what I'm doing and a guide does basically mm -hmm. what I'm doing a, you know, it's out there for everybody to see, but I'm not disclosing the actual location of where this is. Only my patrons have the right, privilege right. to, to know where it is that I'm going. So in essence, it's like, if I were to get a captain's license, does that make it okay? Am I in the clear now with you guys? Um, but it, it's a way that I, I earn my money and, you know, my thought on the whole subject. And I just want to hurry up and get off of this because this to me is like, <laughs> it's like taboo. Oh, and, um, and no matter what you say, you're going to catch something for it. I mean, it's, yes, the same thing happens in hunting, man. It's the same. It's the same thing. Don't tell. Don't tell what piece of public you're on. I don't want a bunch of people over there. Like you just. You just don't even mention it. It's so. It's so. I think it's so much worse over here that mm -hmm. people wouldn't even dream to name drop where they were. Where they were hunting. Yeah. So yeah, I mean that I do. I get both ends of yeah. it, and I hear both sides of it, and I just try to mitigate what I can to stay like keep the the channel clean and f like family friendly because sure. that was my whole goal was I, I want to create family friendly fishing videos where a dad or a mom could feel safe to allow little jimmy to watch one of my videos and not worry about <laughs> you know their their children hearing or 
you know, seeing something that they, they would deem inappropriate for a child that age. But, uh, I, I mean, I, I get, I get everything, uh, from both sides. Like, Hey, thank you so much because of you. My fishing game has, you know, increased tenfold. And then the others like, Hey, because of you, now my spot <laughs> is, you know, no longer producing. And so I, I just kindly tell them like, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, I wish that I could share your same sentiment and I would change it, but, uh, I don't, I, I mean, I, I've been lucky enough to constantly stay on the fish and, uh, hopefully it doesn't come to the point where the spots that I give away sometimes are no longer going to produce because they've all been caught. So, I mean, I, I don't know. Let's just We'll leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's just leave it at that. Well, let's let's do this. Well, I, I've got some uh, rapid-fire questions that I prepared for you, and then a couple uh, closing questions, and, and then I'll give you an opportunity to talk about your YouTube channel. Sound good? Sure. All right. You ready? Top water or pop and cork? Top water. Paddle tail or crappy jig? Crappie jig. Paddle, paddle tail. Underspin or bait caster? Underspin. Kayak fishing for redfish or jetty fishing for jacks? Kayaking for redfish. Ah, oh, I really thought I'd get you with that jacks one. I ask questions to tee that up. <laughs> you you get the the choice of a you get the choice of setting the world record redfish from a kayak, but it's the only fish you catch that day, or you get to catch a hundred redfish in a day, exactly one inch shorter than the world record. 100 redfish a day My man. shorter shorter than the record <laughs> you get to create your dream of your dream day fishing from a kayak what does that look like okay uh just launching out of the, a place that's off the beaten path and the water is just crystal clear blue and the, the that salt breeze is in the air, the smell of fresh watermelon, um, that right there in like a, a tropic scene and going after like right now, at this point in time, a giant trevally, something something along those lines, just white white sand, just pretty, pretty water, just beautiful atmosphere that that would be my dream come true. He got me wanting to go fishing in the morning instead of going to work. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so this is the final question I've got for you. What was the most embarrassing moment you've had as a creator to date? Oh, gosh. Oh, wow. Uh, Most embarrassing moment as a creator Uh, while on film or just – Let's just say, let's just say in the process or, or on film, any of the above, above, what was the, what's the moment that you look back and you're you're like, oh, you chucklehead. I can't believe you did that. Wow. Uh, this, that's a tough one because I honestly, I don't, I'd like to think of myself as a humble enough person to where it's like, uh, okay, yeah, it happens. Um, I, I'm going to say when I went to Panama, uh, I, I did a trip early 2018 in January and I'm fishing my GoPro mount that I had was on the bow, uh, on the Hobie 
outback. The cell mast receiver, I used a PVC pipe to hold my GoPro up. And through these swells, the rocking back and forth, that PVC flexes a lot. And the little elbow that was holding one pipe to the next oh, wow. basically wiggled itself free. And I had my, I think it was at the time, the GoPro Hero 4 Black with my Rode Video Mic Pro. So, oh. like, yeah, the entire setup, <laughs> close to about $800. $800 with all the little accessories and everything. And I, I believe that was day number four of my trip. So all my footage, I had not removed it from oh. the SD card. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe this GoPro just went straight into the drink. And I'm like, all I have left is a Hero 3. And I took it with me as a backup because the wife was like, hey, you need to take that. I could not believe that I lost it. And on the water, uh, I just told myself, okay, Mark, uh, you, you've got two options. You can sit here and pout about it, or <laughs> you can try to finish the job that you came out here to do. And I, I felt so embarrassed that when I went back to the lodge that evening, I was like, yeah, I, I lost my GoPro. And they were like, what? How did you do that? And it's like, yeah, I'm a YouTuber. You'd figure that would be like the <laughs> the most important thing. So, I mean, yeah, i not necessarily embarrassed. Uh, a little of both, yeah, embarrassed. But like, man, I, I cannot believe that, that I did this. And so I was just sulking. And uh, I managed to move on because I was like, you know, I've got a job to do. Yeah, I don't have a good mic or anything like that, but I'm going to do my best to try and produce a series so that everybody back home, mm -hmm. my audience, will be able to just follow along and enjoy what it was that I saw. So I, mean, I learned a lot about myself through that uh, growing pain as well. Sounds like you. It was a, a lesson in learning how to laugh at yourself and not take yourself too seriously. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's not like your livelihood was on the line or anything, right? I mean, no, no. It was. It was just my pride. <laughs> oh man. Well, dude, I, I I've taken up a, a good hour of your time now, and I, I want to be respectful of, of your evening. I know your family, man. So. Why don't you give everyone a rundown as to where they can find your content, where they, where to look for you, and uh, maybe we can throw throw some new uh, viewers your way. Oh, awesome. So it's MDLR Fishing. Uh, those are my initials, Mark Delarosa, D-L-R. And that's on YouTube. I also have Instagram and Facebook. On Instagram, it's MDLR or at MDLR underscore fishing. And then on Facebook, it's just MDLR fishing. Uh, I try to answer as many questions as I possibly can. I get hundreds of them, but uh, I do my best to, you know, try to uh, communicate with the audience that's watching. And I read every comment on YouTube. So if anyone is willing to write down a thoughtful comment and they're asking for knowledge, I will definitely respond. Um, I sincerely appreciate your time, Walter. Thank you so much for, 
having me on the show. Uh, this was a first for me too. Uh, first, first podcast that I've done. And, uh, uh it was cool. I, I like your forum. Like it's laid back uh, at first. I was just kind of a little bit nervous, but, uh, <laughs> you know, talking to you, it just got me to get into my chill mode and it's just like talking to a buddy about fishing. So I really appreciate that. Thank you for allowing me to reach out to an audience, to your audience, and hopefully some of them will tag along. Oh, I have no doubt they will. If you'll hang on one second, I want to chat with you after I hit to end on this. But guys, all of that info that he just gave you, I'm going to include it in the show notes. So if you if you like this podcast, you're, you listen to it and you're like, gosh, I got to find this guy, scroll down into the show notes. All of his stuff will be linked right there. You can just jump right to it. I'll, I'll make it real easy for you guys. So, um, you know, that's it for this week. But as always, no matter what you do this weekend, guys, get out on the water, get outside, go enjoy the outdoors. Don't sit inside. Don't waste a day of your life uh, just behind that TV screen. Get outside, enjoy it, and we'll see you next week on Chasing Tales Outdoors.